Rachel Maddow's ratings are at a year low, and following the Pete Buttigieg town hall, Fox News' ratings are up 22% over last year. CNN's ratings are also fairly bad. Now, I'm not doing this video to rag on Rachel Maddow specifically. I actually want to make a point about right-wing populism and conservatism, because uh, for many of you who haven't been following, there was apparently a big upset in Australia where the right-wing party was supposed to lose but ended up winning. And so what I want to do is I want to look at the ratings of Rachel Maddow and talk about why her ratings were good in the first place, why they're going down, and why I think Fox News is going up. We have here from TV News, or this is Adweek's Basic Cable Rankings, week of May 13th. We can see that Fox News finished the week of May 13th as the most watched basic cable network in total day, uh, 6 a.m. to 6 uh, a.m. to 6 a.m., marking 19 consecutive weeks at the top of the heap in that day part. However, Fox News finished number two in primetime behind ESPN. Now, there's another uh, a big thing that I want to point out. And there's a reason I'm, I'm reading this. ESPN has just announced they're going to stop politics, which means, you know, a lot of people believe the ratings for ESPN are going to go up. This has another really big thing about the culture war. For one, Rachel Maddow's ratings are going down. Fox is going up. And ESPN has realized politics are poisonous. People want to watch football. They don't want to hear about Donald Trump. And, and weird, you know, French politics. Now, before we go into the, the, the numbers, go to timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There is a monthly donation option. There is a cryptocurrency, uh, several crypto addresses, a physical address. But of course, you can just share this video, click the like button and comment. At the very least, like and comment because that tells YouTube the video is engaging and, and worth, um, or don't, you know, again, do whatever you want to do. I'm just, if you, if you like what I do. So they say the worldwide leader in sports, attracted huge audiences for its NBA Western Conference's finals broadcasts. So that makes sense. You know, Fox News typically is number one, um, but there's a big event. ESPN is, is going is to, you know, beat them out. But we do, I do have the news and we'll go over this uh, about ESPN getting away from politics. Uh, Adweek says, throughout the week, presentations of Hannity, Tucker Carlson tonight, the Ingram angle and the five claimed 11 of the top 30 cable telecasts overall in total viewers. Additionally, Fox News Channel's town hall with Mayor Pete Buttigieg averaged 1.1 million viewers and 172,000 in the uh, 25 to 54 demo. That's a key demographic. More than CNN and MSNBC and up 22% in both viewers and the demo versus Fox News' year-to-date average for the Sunday 7 p.m. time slot where Fox News Sunday uh, rerun is regularly aired. So first, important to point out, Fox regularly airs reruns. Their ratings are up over last year because they've been doing more, like they're not doing reruns. Reruns aren't going to do so well. But here's where it gets interesting. CNN and MSNBC, on the other hand, slumped. CNN experienced its lowest rated week since November 2015 in the 25 to 54 demo. Additionally, MSNBC marked its lowest rated primetime week of the year in the demo. Rachel Maddow delivered her lowest rated week of the year in both viewers, in both total viewers and the 25 to 54 demo. One of the things you will hear from people on the left, they love ragging on Fox News for having like an average audience member of, you know, like 70 years old. It's actually not true. It is high. Cable TV in general. I mean, look, you guys, you're, I, I'd be willing to bet you're a 25 to 50, 54 year old male um, because that's like the bulk of my viewership, um, or at least 18 to 54, which is the key demo, right? 
So you you guys who are watching this, and yes, there are some uh, some women, but it, admittedly, it's like my audience is like ninety percent dudes, which you know whatever. I don't know. Uh, you guys are the key demo. Okay, you are the people that advertisers are trying to reach. Well, the cable networks aren't able to do it. Well, Fox News is. I can't speak for CNN. CNN, woo, they're in the gutter. And MSNBC is going down, down, down. So uh, they they going to say, uh, uh, the, the point I was going to make is Fox News does better in the key demo than I do, right? So that's not indicative of anything because Steven Crowder probably does better in the key demo than Fox News does. And that's indicative of something. You know, Crowder is a conservative personality. He does, he does comedy and, and talk. And he gets amazing viewership per episode. So he's probably absolutely trouncing Fox News as well. You'd think he'd be making a ton more money, but the shift will come, right? So uh, ads are, uh, digital ads are displacing uh, analog this year. Uh, analog probably doesn't make sense, but um, uh, on demand or linear. So there will be more ad buying on YouTube and Facebook and Google, etc. than there will be on TV for the first time this year, which is big news. Because it means the big companies are going to start looking to people like me, people like, you know, Crowder, even, you know, uh, more uh, liberal types, uh, David Pakman, Kyle Kalinske. Good things. Let's get rid of these old, these old, uh, the old guard. We'll bring in the new guard. And I mean that no disrespect to those on cable TV, but, but interestingly, you know, Fox News, uh, it, they're still going down in viewers, but MSNBC and CNN are going way, way down. And I think it's political. So they say, Fox News continued to dominate its competition, but it didn't exactly have a spectacular week either. The network was down in the key measurements during primetime and total day versus the comparable week in 2018. Fox is minus three in total primetime viewers. MSNBC was minus 13. CNN was minus 26 in the day part. Holy crap, that is ridiculously bad. Fox was minus 10, MSNBC minus 13, CNN minus 34. And, and, and I believe that's, the, yeah, in total day viewers, so... In the key demo, the losses were even more extreme. Fox News is down 22%. MSNBC, 42. Holy crap, CNN, 43. Yikes. Ratings down across the board. And I'm going to say this. You know, there's been a lot of conservatives who are upset with Fox News because Fox is bringing on more moderate centrist and, you know, entertaining the Democratic primary. I think it's a good thing. I think Fox is proving they are doing legit journalism, and MSNBC has gone off the rails, and they're crashing and burning. They did say that CNN still managed to score a top 10 ranking in total day viewers, while MSNBC remained a top four basic cable network in total viewers behind Fox and the NBA playoffs. So, so here's what I want to show you over at the, uh, the next bit. Here's the important thing. Let's go to, uh, I'm just going to pull up prime time for Monday. Maddow's ratings are down, but she's still getting 2.7 million viewers on her show. I mean, that's big, right? That's, that's big. That's way bigger than I'm getting in total viewership. Here's the important part. Only 394,000 are in the key demo. This is what's important. The people who are watching Rachel Maddow are older than 54. The same is true for the most part for all of cable TV. But here's the thing. We can see that Carlson won in the key demo with 469,000 viewers. Hannity beats Matta with 454,000 in the key demo. Admittedly, my hour of content combined gets more unique key demographic viewers than cable television. This is a good thing. You know, um, it, it shows that the times they are changing. But the reason I want to point this out, because I don't want to make it seem like Maddow's not getting viewership. Oh, she absolutely is. But it's also important to point out the aging demographic of all of them. First of all, they all dropped in the key demo. 
well, because we're on YouTube. Okay. We don't, we don't, we don't watch Fox news for the most part. I don't, I mean, I don't watch any, I don't watch any of these networks, but it's the older crowd that's watching cable television. So they're going to age out. They will. You can absolutely point out that most of the viewers of all cable are old. And it's really, really sad how uh, CNN, man, CNN is just trailing. But he, so here's what I want to do. First, as an aside, I just want to show, uh, not, not, not so much as an aside, but I want to show that cable networks are realizing politics are, are bad. We have this story from ESPN, uh, uh, Daily Caller saying ESPN president Jimmy Pitaro says fans do not want us to cover politics. He says, without question, our data tells us our fans do not want us to cover politics. My job is to provide clarity. I really, I really believe that some of our talent was confused on what was expected of them. If you fast forward to today, I don't believe they are confused. Everybody was being told, okay, I work for these companies. They're told, do politics, do politics, be an activist, etc. No, no, people don't like that. Okay. People turn on ESPN because they want to watch basketball. They want to watch football. They want to watch baseball, etc. You know, sometimes ESPN runs skateboarding too. And there was a point at which this is hilarious. ESPN actually had Magic the Gathering. I think it might have been like ESPN too, but that was fun to watch. They, they realized it's about games, sports. It's about getting away. It's, you know, it's about passion and not politics. So good, good on them. But the last thing I want to do is, you know, while we can acknowledge that uh, Fox News is doing well at these town halls, MSNBC seeing its lowest rating uh, this week, Fox News, my understanding, they're actually uh, up at, uh, a little bit, but down overall. Like everybody's down, of course, of course. Here's the thing, and I'm only going to touch on this lightly. This is from Bloomberg Opinion. The right-wing populist playbook keeps winning. Australia's shock election result is one more sign at 2016 was no fluke. Rachel Maddow's ratings were built upon Russiagate, a nonsense conspiracy theory that turns out to be a nothing burger. And it's funny because we, we've even heard Van Jones call the Russia thing a nothing burger and then try and walk it back, claiming it's out of context. It's like, mm, I, think, I think we know what you were doing. CNN. So here's, here's, here's the thing. Look at ESPN. They're like, wow, politics, that was a mistake. Somehow this narrative emerges that people got to get woke or you will go, go broke. When in reality, the opposite was true. If you get woke, you go broke. Apparently there's another story about Dunkin' Donuts saying there's, we're not getting politics. We're not going to get into politics. It's a bad idea. I think it has to do with the Facebook algorithm. All these media companies were seeing tremendous growth around wokeness and so the marketing companies started telling everybody to do this. And it was a bad idea. What we're seeing here with this story, I'm not going to read into this story. I just want to make a point. The right-wing populist playbook keeps winning because the left has gotten woke and is going broke. You know, look at, look, excuse me, Kirsten Gillibrand apparently announced today something about the, uh, or the other day, the family bill of rights. Not entirely a bad idea, but she frames it as this intersectional push to guarantee that regardless of race, gender, etc., you will have an equal, you know, footing. And that comes off very much like social justice, intersectionality, etc. You're going to get a lot of people going like, ah, leave me out of that stuff. I don't know what you're talking about. It's actually not a bad idea, right? What she's actually proposing, help, uh, giving subsidies and tax credits to families. I actually don't see a problem with that. Um, we definitely, we, you know, families are, are, are good. Uh, I don't want to get into family science, but yeah, you know, having two parents, the, 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 Kids are less likely to get in trouble, do drugs, etc. So it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing. But more to the point, why is it 2016, Donald Trump, Brexit, and now Australia? Why does this keep happening? Well, I think it's because the average person doesn't care to go woke. 
They don't like these things. They don't care for these things. ESPN just realized it and they said, we better stop. Our ratings are plummeting. People were canceling ESPN. And uh, I mean, aside, uh, also, I mean, look, cord cutters, right? I don't, I, I have cable mostly because it came with my internet and it was like, it would be more expensive if I didn't get it, but I don't watch those networks. So what ends up happening is you have these channels that are desperate for viewers. So they, they resort to going to the fringe. Rachel Maddow for two and a half years, Russia gate, Russia, Russia. Is Russia going to turn off the electricity in, in the winter? Like she actually ran a segment about Russia shutting off the power in Fargo. It's like, dude, what is this? Am I watching Alex Jones? So what do you think's going to happen when it turns out it's fake? Her ratings are going to tank. People don't want this nonsense. And of course, she's found her, you know, hippie, liberal, weirdo conspiracy base. Alex Jones had a hippie, conservative, libertarian base. It doesn't mean I'm going to give any of them, like, I'm, a, I'm personally going to watch them for news. I know a lot of people like to, they, they, you know, and, and I, I'm, just, I'm just waiting for the left to be like, you can't compare Alex Jones to Rachel Maddow, and they're going to, like, take a, a, a super cut or something and be like, Tim Pool thinks Rachel Maddow is, or Alex Jones is better than Rachel Maddow. No, I'll put them on the same footing. You can't wave your arms in the air for years about the Russians coming to get you. And then it turns out to be nonsense and think you're going to walk away from this unscathed. No, Rachel, you are a conspiracy loon. But don't, no, you know what? I'll take that back. I don't think Rachel's a conspiracy loon. I think she's a narcissistic sociopath who was doing it for ratings. Yeah. Anyway, the reason I bring up the Bloomberg story about populism is that it's not a fluke. The polls are wrong. The marketing companies are wrong. Get woke, go broke isn't a universal truth. Jordan Peele certainly isn't going broke. He's doing very, very well. There's a lot of successes in wokeness, but it's not a universal constant. So these big companies that thought they could profit off it are wrong. The average person is not interested. And this is fracturing the left around the world in, in, in you know, Commonwealth and, and, and in the uh, Commonwealth countries and the U.S. Australia wasn't supposed to win. Their polls looked very much like Trump's favorability. Brexit was not supposed to win. Trump was not supposed to win. His average was like a 3% chance of victory on, on the day of his election. And, and I remember watching it flip. It's because the media is out of touch. They've wound themselves up into this tiny bubble where they have no idea what's going on and they're losing it. So why am I, why am I not surprised to see CNN, MSNBC tanking? Because they're out of touch. And then when you see the populists win in, in the, the, the right wing in Australia, I'm like, right. The media couldn't predict it. They have no idea what they're talking about. I blame the media for almost all of this, almost all of it. They have lost sight of what is actually happening. And you know, it actually comes down to, I think, social media, Facebook, the algorithm, etc. It's a complicated problem. Suffice it to say, right wing is going to keep winning. The left is fractured by this insanity that is the, the, this extreme wokeness. Okay, you look at someone like me who is uh, my moral foundations, and I love bringing this up. Okay, according to Jonathan Haidt's research, and I've referenced it several times, it's very important. Care and fairness are the two principal moral foundations of liberals. Conservatives operate among all moral foundations, so uh, purity, authority, and loyalty are very important. And you can clearly see when I when I, I, I I'm not saying this is the best test in the world, but I took a test, and I very much fell into care, fairness but also liberty. Someone like me who believes mostly in care and fairness and less in authority and especially not purity, I am someone who typically would vote for a Democrat. Well, they've lost me for the most part. Now, don't get me wrong. Like if Yang or Tulsi gets the nomination, like I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to vote for those individuals because Tulsi has done a lot of really great things. She's not perfect. And Yang is a smart dude. But ultimately the point is you can look at my left liberal moral foundations and then ask yourself why I do not like these people. They've lost the plot. 
You've got these media, these people in media like Rachel Maddow, who spin everyone up into a frenzy and a fervor of conspiracy nonsense for money and ratings. She chased the money and she chased the ratings and she and she betrayed her audience into believing complete nonsense, complete, complete nonsense. In fact, Tucker Carlson routinely has like Antifa and lefties on his show. Granted, it's 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 always him, you know, pushing back. But that's more than I can say for MSNBC or CNN. CNN talks about stuff all day, but they insulate themselves. Why won't they have on Glenn Greenwald? And Glenn Greenwald has brought this up. Glenn Greenwald has been pushing back on the Russia conspiracy nonsense this whole time, and he is a progressive lefty. Why won't they have him on? Because they're insulating their viewers because they want to make money. But sure enough, Fox News will have on pro and anti-Russia people. Why? What's what's this? We're, We're living in crazy world. I'll tell you what. Long story short, let me wrap this up. I love bringing up my moral foundations because it explains my politics perfectly. Care, fairness, and loyalty are my principal, you know, moral foundations. Liberty, the most important thing. I, I truly believe in freedom and fairness, which means if we're going to have a media that's going to talk about what's happening, you've got to give space to, to as many people as you can of different perspectives. But what happens when social media starts banning only one side? Well, that's not fair. And it's also a violation of liberty. These are things I really, really care about. You'll notice purity is very low, and it's prob. And I, I, I don't know if this is like a negative hit towards me, but it's probably why I'm pro-choice. Purity is very important to conservatives. So uh, uh, purity, or it's also called sanctity. So there's there's a lot of value placed in the moral community that's not, that's less that doesn't exist so much for liberals, and that's that's probably why my politics fall where they are, where they where they do. But liberty is also a really big reason as for you know my pro-choice position less government involvement, complicated ethics. I will admit that. Long story short, let's wrap this up. Right-wing populists are going to keep winning so long as the media has no idea what's going on. But ESPN, backing away from politics, is a really good example of what's really happening in our countries in this world. Politics is bad. People do not want wokeness. They just want their communities and cultures. They want to do their thing. And the media is out of touch, completely out of touch. Finally, People are starting to wake up. Dunkin' Donuts saying, nah, we're not doing none of that. ESPN saying that was a mistake. And Rachel Maddow, admittedly, everyone, all cable ratings are down. But yes, CNN and Maddow are down substantially more than Fox News is what uh, are as of date. So I'll leave it there. Thanks for uh, for hanging out for the segment again. Uh, you can donate at TimCast.com slash donate if you want to support my work. If you're listening to the podcast, leave a good review. It really helps. More segments to come. So stick around and I will see you soon. Nevada is the latest state to, well, almost, to join the national, what is it, the National Popular Vote Interstate Coalition. I say almost because Nevada has passed the bill. It still needs to be signed. But boy, oh boy, is this the stupidest mistake ever made by by the left, by liberals. And I I just, look, I made a video about it yesterday, my main channel. It's it's still getting a ton of views. And here we are, just uh, on the same day I published this, Nevada signs on. This is a huge mistake, but it's done in desperation. The left lost. They blame the Electoral College. The Electoral College is not the reason they lost. Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump were playing by the same rules they understood. Hillary Clinton thought the blue wall was safe, that Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania would not fall. So she didn't campaign there, and they went red. The Electoral College is a balancing system that protects areas from the tyranny of the majority. A a popular vote system would result in New York, Chicago, and LA dictating what you should do in rural Nebraska, and that makes no sense. None at all. 
Let's read this story, and I'll go over for the millionth time why I think it's a really, really bad idea. But uh, I'll tell you why it's a bad idea. Los Angeles is shrinking. This story is from just last month. It's shrinking. You know what that means? When you go popular vote, you will lose. <laughs> You're going to lose. There's also a lot of Republicans who live in California who don't vote, and in New Jersey, and in New York, because they're blue states. The popular vote will result in more people in different states. So, hey, you want to argue it's a good thing? Sure, but it means Republicans are going to keep winning. Before we jump into these stories, check out TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work, because I am uh, partially fan-funded. There's a monthly donation option. There's a cryptocurrency option for various crypto. There's a physical address. But always, you can just share this video, click the like button, and comment. And that's some of the best thing. like one of the best things you can do is if you're just watching, like the video, comment. Even if you hate me, then, you know, just comment and let me know what you think. Because that really helps with uh, YouTube determining if the video is worth anything. So, uh, greatly appreciated. But let's get back to the news. They say, the Daily Wire, if Nevada's, Nevada's Democratic governor signs a bill passed by the state Senate Tuesday into law, his state will have moved, uh, moved the national popular vote movement six votes closer to effectively nullifying the Electoral College as established in the U.S. Constitution. By a vote of 12 to 8, the Nevada state passed AB 186 on Tuesday, which if signed by Governor Steve Sisolak will add Nevada's six electoral votes to the 189 votes already pledged by 14 other states in the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact, which, of course, are almost exclusively blue states, safe blue states. And all they're doing is creating the potential that they vote red. Imagine this. 30 plus million people come out to vote in California, a strong blue state with, I believe, 55 electoral votes. Let's say the Republican candidate gets the popular vote. So California goes, okay, we're going to give our 55 electoral votes to the, to the Republicans. How do you think the California citizens are going to feel? Why would you do that? It makes no sense. Look, if the state is safe blue, California is, then why would you open up the possibility to giving your votes to a Republican if you don't have to? They don't understand. And, and, and a lot of people have said, but Tim, it only goes into effect if they reach 270 electoral votes, thus nullifying the Electoral College completely, yes, but that, that implies you think Democrats will always get the, 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 the majority in the popular vote. Now, maybe, but the, one of the other things that's brought up is, what about all the Republicans who don't vote that live in blue states? I'll tell you what, it is very unlikely the urban red state blue, you know, blue voters are not voting. They're probably, now a lot of them are probably not voting for sure. But I would be willing to bet there are way more rural voters who are Republican and don't vote than urban voters who don't vote in red states. But you know what? I guess we'll find out. Now, of course, I think it's a terrible idea because the Electoral College is extremely important in protecting the poor from the tyranny of the majority and the wealthy. But of course, the Democrats don't seem to understand this. And so they're going to end up shooting themselves in the foot, cutting off their nose to spite their face. Because when they lost, they said, The Electoral College is what made us lose. No, what made you lose is Hillary not campaigning to middle America and being completely detached from reality. The Electoral College is a game everyone plays and knows the rules to. Changing the rules because you lost doesn't change the fact that you didn't play correctly. Sure, change the rules. You're still going to lose. Plain and simple. They say, thus far, 14 states and one district have officially passed the measure. Their collective electoral vote currently at 189. The compact requires a minimum of 270 to go into effect. We know all this stuff. And and I did do a video on this yesterday. They say, as CNN underscores suggestively, the Electoral College clinched President Donald Trump the 2016 presidential victory, despite 
Democratic nominee Hillary Clinton winning the popular vote by nearly 3 million votes. Yes, because she won California. Among the high-profile Democrats pushing for the elimination of the Electoral College are presidential candidates Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, and former Rep. Beto O'Rourke, Cena Notes. Now, let me make a point. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. Was she trying to win the popular vote? I guess. Well, she didn't try to win the electoral vote, Trump did. It's also entirely possible that if Trump knew the rules were going to be in favor of a popular vote, he would try to win the popular vote. The point is, Trump was trying to win by the rules set by the Electoral College. He did. Congratulations. If you change the rules, it's not going to guarantee you victory. It's going to be a waste of time for everybody. All that's going to happen is it's going to change the strategy of the Republicans and Democrats. Let's jump over to this story. Los Angeles is shrinking. Yeah. Did you know there was a point where uh, California being so massive was like Wyoming with very few people living there and them getting disproportionate representation? It's on purpose. The example I often cite is the farming counties in California. Statewide, California does not operate under an electoral college type system. So when it comes to voting, the cities win. And this can be devastating for, for the environment and for poor people. Notably, is the town of East Porterville. I went to, and this was a small town, mostly of migrants and farmers who had no groundwater. The groundwater was siphoned away by the farmers. Well, the farmers need to keep their businesses running. They provide around, I, I think, like $50 billion a year in, in, um, uh, in uh, development for California in terms of the agricultural sector. So the surface water has to go to the big cities. This is what they told me. Again, you know, this is the perception of the farmers. It's not something I've dug into and pulled up sources on. So take it with a grain of salt. But I interviewed a bunch of families. I interviewed uh, public officials in San Diego, Carlsbad, as well as in the farms. And they all basically said the same thing. The cities got priority because the cities got the people. They have all the votes. And so they win in the end. Imagine it this way. There's a big city. People are taking long, hot showers. They're wasting water. They don't care. They're big, wealthy city folk. And I mean wealthy, like they're slightly more wealthy than the impoverished rural communities. You then have a small jurisdiction 200 miles away in the same state, and they, they have groundwater, they have surface water coming from, you know, rivers, a vote comes in, they say, where should we send the surface water? Well, guess who's going to win in a popular vote? The city. Now all the poor people can't even drink their own water. It's more complicated than that. But, but effectively, my understanding based on the, everyone I talked to, surface water coming off the mountains would flow through these farm areas, and the farmers weren't allowed to use it because the cities had priority. Now, you could argue the cities have a lot more people and those people need water and people come first. Sure. But you also have to recognize that there are people and it's their water in their area. Think about it. You live in an area with a water source and someone else comes and says, you know what? We need it. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. An electoral college system will protect smaller regions from having their resources stripped away by the majority. The electoral, so, so Trump won something like 2,800 counties and Hillary Clinton won about 500. You, you, you frame it that way and you're like, wow, Trump really dominated in terms of counties. He did. So here's, here's why I bring the story up. Los Angeles population is shrinking. The region is growing. But you know what that means? LA will not always be this big powerhouse. These people are going to move. They're going to, their, their views will be, look, with a, with a liberal stronghold like Hollywood, you have people pretending to be left wing and pretending to vote certain ways and just doing what they're told because they're pe- the people around them telling them to do it. When these people move out, this cultural powerhouse will dissipate. And then people aren't going to want to campaign there if it's too small. Now, I don't think LA is going to become ridiculously small. But I bring this up to point out, demographics move. 
LA could be big today, but in 20 or 30 years, we might see a massive boom in Wyoming. Then all of a sudden, it's not fair. Wyoming has so many people. Why isn't it? Why, why don't they get more votes? The system is designed this way on purpose. And as long as they keep expanding these ridiculous ideas, it's only going to hurt them. In the story, they say, in a video from PragerU, electoral college expert Tara Ross explains the rationale behind the current U.S. presidential voting system and summarizes some of, her, of the arguments against the national popular vote agreement, including the impact of states' widely varying voting policies, the exponentially increased threat of voter fraud, and the encouragement of presidential candidates neglecting the needs of, and concerns of rural areas and smaller states. If NPV is adopted and winning is only about getting the most votes, a candidate might concentrate all of his efforts in the biggest cities or biggest states, she argues. We could see the end of presidential candidates who care about the needs and concerns of people in smaller states or outside big cities. And this is bad because the people who live outside the big cities, you know what they do? They make your food. And this is one of the big problems. We need to make sure that farmers and industries not in big cities, the people who manufacture and supply to big cities are protected to an extent and don't have their rights and resources stripped away by a bunch of people living in a city who don't understand what it's like to live in the middle of nowhere. There's a reason why I'm not a, a, a gun, uh, a, 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 you know, a gun control nut. It's because I've lived in some rural areas and I've tried to understand the consequences of being in the middle of nowhere and being unarmed. It's not a good idea. I lived in an area where uh, uh, about 40 miles outside of Miami, it was a, you know, I, I wouldn't call it like sparsely populated. I had neighbors, but there were no police with for like 30 minutes. You had to drive like a half an hour to 45 minutes to the nearest police station. What does that mean when somebody was going on breaking in homes and some people got murdered? Yeah, it meant people were like, we better, we, we better get our, you know, t- uh, get some firearms. Why would it make sense then that people in New York, Chicago, and LA should tell people in rural Nebraska, what they shouldn't, shouldn't be doing. The likelihood that someone in rural Nebraska is going to commit some kind of like mass event, slim to none. Uh, they're in the middle of nowhere, right? So I get it. There's different concerns for the, for the urban population and the rural population. And that's why we need the electoral college system. And that's why I think, I think our system is fantastic, you know, as a whole with uh, state senators, with federal senators, with, uh, with Congress people, two houses, we do a pretty good job of breaking up power and trying to do our best in terms of representation. Is it perfect? No, but it's, a, it's, it's pretty good. What we're seeing here is ill, you know, ill-prepared <clears throat> sore losers. They don't seem to understand the reason they lost was because Hillary didn't campaign in places she needed to. They think the issue is the popular vote. Okay, look, we'll, we'll put it this way. If Hillary Clinton isn't going to go to the Rust Belt, the, where the blue wall is, she ignored them and lost, shouldn't she lose? Shouldn't she lose for ignoring these key areas? What, what happens if you get rid of Electoral College? Then there's never a reason to go to Michigan, uh, uh, Pennsylvania, or Wisconsin ever again. What do you think is going to happen to the people of those three states? You think they'll ever get any representation? And it's already bad enough with Flint in their water, and she didn't go there? Please. It's not a good idea. I'm going to leave it here. I can't believe right a day after I did Electoral College, we got another state signing on. But you know what? Go ahead and do it. It just means the Democrats are going to lose from now on. You can claim... It's all about once they get to 270. Sure. And they won't because red states aren't going to sign on to this. Now, they may, maybe could get it because you're going to have Democratic state politicians pushing it through. But what do you think the people of those states are going to say when it turns out their blue state votes red? They're not going to be happy and it's going to cause a constitutional crisis. This is definitely going to get challenged, but I'll leave it there. Stick around. Let's talk about the, the, uh, the next segment I have coming up. Uh, actually, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that because it's going to be rearranged differently for the podcast. But for those that are listening on the podcast, leave a good review if you like it. 
Uh, for everybody else, the next segment will be at 4 p.m. YouTube.com slash TimCast, and I will see you all shortly. A New Jersey man has been arrested on terror charges, allegedly discussed bombing Trump Tower, law enforcement sources say. The man also allegedly provided financial support to Hamas, according to law enforcement uh, sources. The story from NBC News goes into detail about an individual who, I don't want to say he necessarily was plotting anything. Certainly many people are saying, you know, a Hamas supporter was plotting this, but he was arrested on these charges, at the very least, for transmitting these messages and for allegedly supporting this group. It's not just this one story, though. I also want to talk about a little bit about what's happening in the UK. I have this story from Harold Scotland. Counselors terror after petrol bomb attack at home. Someone tried to burn his house and his, uh, they destroyed his car. They tried to burn his house down. Apparently, he believes they were trying to actually kill him. So they joke about milkshakes. Oh, milkshakes are funny. Sure, I get it. Milkshake is like the lowest of the low in terms of like violence. It is a violent act, according to English common law. We have a Supreme Court ruling that explains the, the, the government doesn't determine what is more or less violent if you take an action against someone physical contact. In, uh, in Illinois, you can assault someone by getting too close to them. Like if you make them flinch, they can consider that assault. Battery in Illinois, in, 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 in Illinois at least, could be touching or even spitting on or humiliating someone in public. We have these two stories. Okay, this one's from a couple days ago. This story from New Jersey is breaking news. I'm recording this just about 50 minutes after this dropped. So before we get into the specifics, check out timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. I basically just read the news all day, every day, and then I give my opinion and report on them through various means. There's a monthly donation option. There's a cryptocurrency option, a physical address. But of course, you don't want to do any of that. Just share the video on social media. Click the like button, comment below, because that tells YouTube this video must be good must be a good video, and they'll show it to more people, and that helps. It helps a lot. So let's see what happened with this guy. A 20-year-old New Jersey man who allegedly sent money abroad to Hamas militants in an effort to support the terror group also spoke of bombing Trump Tower and attacking the Israeli consulate in New York City. The suspect, identified as Jonathan Z of Basking Ridge, was arrested Wednesday morning on charges of attempting to provide material support to a designated terror group, making false statements and transmitting a threat of interstate commerce. Though he spoke of the attacks, authorities say there was no specific plot. Z is expected in federal court in Newark later Wednesday. So I want to make sure that's stressed, right? I'm seeing a bunch of people tweeting that there was a plot. No, I think this was someone talking, you know, some smack talk. They were going on online and they were saying these nonsensical things. Were they actually going to do it? It sounds like from the story, not likely, but they were allegedly providing material support to Hamas, in which case... I wouldn't dismiss what this person is saying. I don't want to act like there's no way they would do it, right? Clearly, they want something to happen. But uh, let's read on. They say, according to a criminal complaint, Z lied in an effort to enlist in the U.S. Army for training earlier this year. Okay, that, that, <laughs> that escalates things a little bit. All right. Prosecutors say he went as far as completing a security clearance application for national security positions in February and answered no to the question, have you ever associated with anyone involved in activities to further terrorism? An error occurred in the application processing, and he had to do it again 10 days later. Again, he answered no to that question. Z allegedly said he wanted to join to learn how to kill so that he could use the knowledge and IDK if I pass the training, but he said he should do it lone wolf. Last month, FBI surveillance saw Z outside Trump Tower in Manhattan. Shortly thereafter, according to Instagram rep- records, he posted two photos to his account, one with the words, uh, I'm not going to read this quote, 
but he was asking if he should take action against Trump Tower, a yes-no poll, and an emoji of a bomb imposed over the Trump Tower building image. Records show Z then posted on Instagram that, uh, I'm not going to read his quotes. He said he went to NYC today and passed by Trump Tower and started laughing hysterically. He says that he forgot to visit the Israeli embassy in NYC and that he wants to bomb them as well as Trump Tower. So, you know, again, is there is there going to be intent or is it someone just talking like an idiot? We don't know. Each count to attempt to provide material support to terrorists carries a maximum penalty of 20 years in prison and a $250,000 fine. These false statements and transmitting a threat in interstate commerce counts, uh, uh, counts each also carry hefty prison time and fines of hundreds of thousands of dollars. They say information on a possible attorney for Z wasn't immediately available. Unfortunately, for those of us who are trying to keep the, the tensions down and trying to de-escalate things, it, as I showed you earlier, this is not the only story because across the pond, over in uh, apparently Scotland, you have far-left terror. So, you know, I, I don't know necessarily if you can quantify Hamas as far-left terror, but I will say this. If, if you know, the ADL and others are going to say that Christian acts of terror are far-right, then I guess you could argue that Islamic is far-left. I mean, he was targeting Trump, certainly not a Trump supporter. As for what happened in Scotland, this apparently uh, absolutely is far-left terror. Now, for those that have been following my channel, you know that I reported a couple times on a story in Greece where the far left actually blew up a journal, a CNN journalist's car. So a lot of people will like to act like, you know, the far right are only the cul- the only culprits in these kinds of situations. But I'd like to stress, they always say in America. And it's and, th- and that's even still a nebulous charge because they, they have a very broad spectrum of what constitutes far right. Like anti-establishment separatists are considered far right. Why? If they're an anarchist, isn't that far left? No, they're neither. The ideology is different. Far right should be associated with either, you know, I don't, I don't even know what, the, what it means anymore, right? I was gonna, I was gonna try and give, make a point about what the far right and the far left is. I don't know. It's just opposing factions. So look, if they're aligned with Hamas, which is gonna be more pro-Palestine, anti-Israel, that's typically a left-wing, you know, position. This guy, far left. But let's read about what happened to the councillor in Scotland. It's from the Herald Scotland Online. A Scottish Tory councillor whose car and house were petrol bombed believes he and his family were targeted. Because of, because of his involvement with a local planning case, Councillor Graham Campbell, who represents Avondale and Stonehouse in Strathaven, South Lanarkshire, his wife Fiona and their 18-year-old son were asleep when the attack occurred in the early hours of Monday. The family were alerted to the fire by a passing, passing teenager who knocked on their door around 1.15 a.m. after an explosion set Mrs. Campbell's car on fire. The blaze burnt out the car, damaged another car, and spread to the garage and a neighbor's property. Police Scotland are treating the incident as deliberate. Mr. Campbell told STV News that he believed his attackers were trying to kill him. He said, it's shocking someone is trying to murder us. When someone bombs your car and you and uh, car, you know, someone is basically trying to kill you. And because it lit his house on fire, I'd say, yeah, that's definitely going to fall under attempted murder. Another 15 minutes and we would have been dead if we haven't gotten uh, haven't hadn't got the fire brigade who were incredible. I'm totally disgusted because it could only have come from my work as a counselor. Counselor Campbell, who was elected to council in 2007 and then in 2017, claimed the attack was linked to his work as a politician, specifically a planning case he has been working on for 18 months. He told the BBC, I've got an idea that it's linked to a case I've been involved in as a local counselor, a planning case for the last 18 months. Clearly, they are trying to give me a message to shut up and take this no further. Mr. Campbell said his family were glad to be alive. A police Scotland spokeswoman said at around 1.25 a.m. on Monday, police were called to report 
to a report of a car on fire outside a property in Fortros Gardens, Strathaven. Emergency services attended and fire uh, and fired caused extensive damage to the car as well as another vehicle in the driveway and the garage. The incident has been uh, is being treated as willful and inquiries are ongoing. A Scottish Fire and Rescue Service spokeswoman added, we sent two appliances after a car was found on fire outside the house. We left the scene at 3.15 a.m. So they joke about milkshakes. Milkshakes are funny. I get it. But then bricks started flying. Now petrol bombs are flying. Escalation begets escalation. Sure, some people showed up to a rally with, you know, some conservative right-wing personalities, splashed some milkshakes, but then other people joined in the mob because of mob mentality through rocks, through eggs. People showed up to a Tommy rally and were throwing rocks and bricks at cars and there were children present. Escalation doesn't stop at the silly, at the absurd. Throwing drinks at someone usually precipitates the riot. I have been on the ground at many riots and I'll tell you the first thing that happens usually when a riot, when a riot breaks out, someone throws a water bottle. Someone sees the water bottle, the police react, people start throwing bricks and rocks. That's how escalation starts. It usually doesn't start with someone walking up with a Molotov and throwing it. It starts with a water bottle, usually one that's like half empty. So here we have it. The rhetoric is part of the escalation. You joke about getting physically violent with people, and then someone starts joking about planting bombs. They start taking photos, they start threatening to shoot people. And then someone shows up to a counselor's house and sets their car and garage on fire. But I feel like it's pointless, you know, because you guys who watch me and listen to these, these, uh, you know, these videos and segments understand exactly all of this, like preaching to the choir. And this is where it's kind of, you know, sometimes it feels hopeless. Sure, I can talk all day and night about why it's wrong. And how many times do I have to say it when people are like, yeah, Tim, we get it. It's escalation. I know. I know. How many times do I have to make a video where I'm like, it's going to get worse? How many times have I said it's going to get worse? And here we can see it. This dude in the U.S. was sending money, allegedly, to Hamas, taking photos out of Trump Tower, saying he wanted to, to kill people. You've got a guy throwing Molotovs. This is the UK. It's getting worse. And the rhetoric is escalating. They say, you know, anybody who believes in free expression should prepare to get hit. They've said it. They've shut up with, with they're laughing at the prospect of getting physically violent with people they don't like. I feel like it's only going to go in one direction. But I don't, I, don't, I don't need to prattle on. There's the news, right? You've heard my opinion a million times. What more can we, what, what more can we do? So anyway, I've got a couple more segments coming up for you in a little bit. Stick around and I will see you shortly. James O'Keefe of Project Veritas, or I should just say Project Veritas, has, uh, they've won a defamation case filed against them claiming that they were essentially deceiving people with an edit in one of their videos. Well, they've won. My understanding now, based on their statements, is that this is six victories. They've won every single, every uh, court case. The story from ABC News, NC judge dismisses libel case against Project Veritas. A federal judge is dismissing a lawsuit claiming a North Carolina woman was libeled by a conservative group that produces sting videos intended to embarrass liberal organizations and media outfits. Now, <laughs> I got to just stop right here and talk about the framing. Uh, they, they refer to Veritas as a conservative group that does sting videos to embarrass liberal organizations and media outlets. That's an opinion. Absolutely an opinion. You don't know the motives of James O'Keefe or what they're trying to do with their stories. The opinion or mission statement of Veritas is that they expose the truth, you know, to the masses. Simply because Veritas is focused on a particular direction doesn't necessarily make them, you know, a conservative group trying to embarrass anybody. That's the interpretation of whoever wrote this, which is kind of silly. But this, there's, there's a more interesting, uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff here. So the initial story um, was just the other day, woman sues Project Veritas over portrayal of assault outside Trump rally. 
So I want to go through this. I want to go through some of the responses from Project Veritas. Before we get started, check out timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's a monthly donation option, cryptocurrency addresses, physical address, but of course, just share the video, click like, comment below. That, that engagement really helps the channel or leave a positive review if you're watching, uh, listening on a podcast. But let's see what, uh, let's, let's finish up the story from ABC. They say U.S. District Judge Martin Redinger on Wednesday stopped the trial against Project Veritas founder James O'Keefe and its tax-exempt social welfare affiliate Project Veritas action before jurors could uh, consider the case. So before he even goes to a jury. Attorneys for O'Keefe and the organization, known for videotaping people without their knowledge, argued successfully that Shirley Teeter's lawyers hadn't proved the videos depicting her were published despite knowing the information was false or not caring whether they were false. The 71-year-old Asheville woman claimed online videos released by Project Veritas Action Fund linked her to a purported plot by Democratic operatives to incite violence at Donald Trump campaign rallies. Well, Veritas won, and they, they tweeted about this. So you've got a, basically a bunch of tweets from them saying that they've won, they've won, they've won. We have a tweet from James O'Keefe saying, directed verdict. Federal judge throws Teeter versus Veritas out before it can get to uh, jury on Rule 50. Jury could not find any clear and convincing evidence of actual malice. Another case dismissed. Now, they've been sued a lot. We often hear that Project Veritas deceptively edits their videos. I haven't quite figured out where that idea comes from. Their uh, NewsGuard rates them as not, uh, not publishing false information, but not reporting. Um, um, what, do they, what do they say? The, the actual phrase is, um, does not gather and represent information responsibly. I also don't know if I believe it. That's an opinion. It's really interesting. In April, we saw this story from Project Veritas. They, they won another defamation case arguing that their videos are accurate, accurate and not deceptively edited. Now, of course, there's going to be a lot of people on the left who don't like Veritas who are going to say that they do deceptively edit. That's what they always say. But we've seen BBC investigations or whatever. You know, we, we've look, journalists doing undercover reporting happens all the time. It's not unique to Veritas. Veritas just uses this tool. If you don't like him because of his politics, by all means. But when I look at Veritas content, I'm like, I understand the position they're taking. They're biased, but it's not deceptive. I don't, at least I don't think so. It's not, uh, it's not even the most, uh, like the most egregious bias we've ever seen. It was just in April that Veritas won another case. So here's what, here's what I wanted to do, right? So let's, let's, let's look at the update real quick. They say Veritas will recover thousands of dollars from Wentz. And we'll also obtain more information and additional discovery requests about coordinated effort to bring multiple lawsuits against Veritas. It would seem one of the ways people are combating Veritas is by trying to sue them for defamation, but they've won every single case. Veritas has no choice but to fight these because even conceding one can open the door to many, many more. And this is true for any news organization. Now, Veritas has broken tons of stories that have had massive impacts on, on the country, on elections. Yeah, they, um, I believe they've even gotten some places shut down for corruption or something like that. Uh, I don't know the full details, but I noticed that NewsGuard gives Veritas a red exclamation point. They say, proceed with caution. This website fails to meet several basic standards of credibility and transparency. And I wondered why. Well, for the most part, it's because they don't disclose ownership, which I think is kind of odd. I'm pretty sure James O'Keefe, but it, it's also a nonprofit is my understanding. So there's no advertising. They say the site provides names of content creators along with either contact or biographical information. Well, they quite literally can't do that. They're an undercover operation, so most of their journalists aren't publicly revealed on purpose. Seems to be biased. They do say 
Veritas does not repeatedly publish false content, which is a good thing, and it doesn't have deceptive headlines. But they also claim it doesn't handle the difference between news and opinion responsibly. Neither does BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed doesn't label their opinion pieces. Regularly corrects or clarifies errors. That seems to be um, harder to quantify, right, in my opinion. If, if NewsGuard can, can prove that, that's a statement. I believe that would be a statement of fact. Uh, gathers and prevents information responsibly. Another opinion. What does that even mean? So I decided to look at how they actually classify Project Veritas. And in this instance, I feel that there's absolute bias and they're purposefully trying to uh, um, give Veritas a, a bad rating. CNN, MSNBC, they have good ratings. Why? why? Why should Veritas have a bad rating and they have a good rating? Why should BuzzFeed or Vox, who do similar things? Well, it's the, it's the bias we see in the media. Now, here's what they claim in terms of credibility. NewsGuard says, video investigations by Veritas and Project Veritas Action Fund, which are archived on the site, have had a major impact, including government investigations and the dissolution of the community organization, organizing group association, uh, ACORN. You, know, you want me to read the name? They say, however, the videos are often deceptively edited to discredit their subjects. Whoa, that's an opinion. Do you have proof? That is a statement of fact that has been refuted in court, at least according to Veritas. I mean, look, I don't think Veritas is lying. Even, even NewsGuard says they don't publish false information. But if it's true that Veritas does not deceptively edit their videos and they've won multiple defamation cases, how does NewsGuard make the claim they do? What is deceiving about it? Well, here's one. They say in, uh, let's see, there's a uh, CNN supervising producer. The site has also omitted key facts from its videos. For example, 2017 Project Veritas published a video that showed a CNN supervising producer questioning the network's coverage of Russia's alleged interference in the 2016 election. But the videos never disclosed that the producer works on the site's medical team and is not involved with CNN's political coverage. Whether or not that matters is not deceptive. It's an opinion. If someone said there's a senior producer at CNN who believes a certain thing, that's relevant to the culture of the business. I'm not going to give a positive or negative opinion on whether or not they should or shouldn't have done that. Why is NewsGuard saying that's not credible? Once again, just an opinion. But it's interesting, if they're going to say that Veritas deceptively edits their videos, I'd imagine that absolutely does fall under uh, opinion as well, which is one of the inherent troubles of NewsGuard. Now, look, I use NewsGuard generally before pulling up any source, right? I, I, I make sure because I know NewsGuard has its bias, but it also gives credible ratings to the, uh, the Daily Wire, the Daily Caller, and conservative outlets. So it's not completely bad. But the point is, if someone's going to try and accuse me of bias, I can point to NewsGuard and say, listen, you know, they think Vox, BuzzFeed, and all the rest are, are credible, and I'm going to use it as a check on my personal bias. I think Veritas should get a green check mark. Certainly, we can criticize them for not disclosing who, who finances them. They're a nonprofit. Um, I believe their 990s are publicly available, which is kind of weird. Uh, of course, they're not going to reveal who does their journalism. They're an undercover operation. Um, regularly corrects or clarifies errors. I don't know why they have an X for that. Do they, do they mention that here and explain why they don't correct? Let's read about transparency. They say Veritas and Veritas Action Fund do not disclose their donors, which does not meet NewsGuard's standards for disclosure of ownership and relevant financing. Well, can it? That seems a bit unfair. Both sites include a biography of O'Keefe, identifying him as Veritas's founder and president. Videos generally do not identify the staffers who are filming, and most text articles accompanying the video are not attributed to authors. They kind of can't be. Here's the other thing, though. The Guardian does the same thing too. When they put, when, when these news outlets put out controversial stories in the same vein as Veritas, they don't put a byline. You don't know who wrote it. So here's, here's, here's what happens. If Veritas 
produced a bunch of clickbaity general news articles attributed to an author, would they get a green check mark? Is it specifically because Veritas only does more political uh, content that you're going to give them a, a, a red exclamation point? What makes them not credible? That they're not doing more general news? I, I'd be interested to know. They say because the sites do not consistently identify the people behind text or video sources, they've determined they do not meet the standard for providing information about content creators. Again, I will also point out, these are arbitrary standards set by NewsGuard. And as much as I will use them, I think they're flawed. Here's one of my intentions with Subverse. We will get to the point, this requires investment and and people who want to do the job. What we want to do is sample 100 articles at random from a certain time period, maybe like a year, and then fact check all of these articles and give them a plus or minus, like, like, like a check or an X based on whether or not the story was correct. If the story has a correction, you're good to go. However, it's also about whether or not there's agenda, misleading language, or opinions inserted. Any, any, any mistake will get you an X. Then what we'll do is we're going to rate new sites based on X out of 100. We, we randomly sampled 100 articles from the time period of X to X and found that 37 were credible and, you know, 63 were deemed to be uncredible for various reasons then produce a spreadsheet on the site explaining every article we did and opening up the comments. So we'll go to BuzzFeed. We'll look at 100 random articles. And we'll fi- if we, we find an opinion in a story that's not labeled opinion editorial analysis, X. We find a factual error, X. Not perfect, but I think it'll be better than this. Ultimately, what I wanted to wrap up with this segment is that Veritas has won numerous lawsuits. So if you don't like them, that's fine. But most of the, sm- the hit pieces against them seem to be partisan. The NewsGuard opinion against them seems to be partisan. NewsGuard claims they deceptively edit. That's an opinion. And we seem to have numerous cases proving they don't. If they're going to win all these lawsuits, then I think your opinion is wrong, NewsGuard. But I'll leave it there. Stick around. One more segment to come um, for those on YouTube. But for the rest, stick around. There's a couple more. I will see you shortly. Our next segment from the Daily Wire, starting with the Daily Wire. A couple was charged for a false accusation claim against a college basketball coach. Apparently... It was a, quote, fraud scheme. We got a couple other stories for the segment. After a false accusation, this one's from Reason. After a false accusation, police and child services forced a family apart for seven months. And lastly, a, a shorter segment from May 7th. Woman charged with making false accusation against now suspended vice officer. So I don't normally like to do short little stories, you know, like, seg- like segmented like this. But there was a bunch in a short period of time that didn't, con- didn't, didn't warrant their own longer segment, but I thought we could tackle the issue of false accusations in the latest news. So we'll do that. Before we get started, though, go to timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's a monthly donation option, cryptocurrency, and also a physical address. If you don't want to do any of those things, just share the video on any social media platform, click the like button, comment below. That engagement tells YouTube my videos are good and then tells more people to watch them, which really helps me out. Let's go to the first story, which is the most egregious. A woman's claim that Georgia Tech head basketball coach Josh Pastner, uh, she had falsely accused him in a ho- uh, about being in a hotel room three years ago, uh, has resulted in the woman and her boyfriend, a former friend of Pastner, getting slapped with a series of criminal charges by Arizona prosecutors who say the couple conspired in a, quote, fraud scheme to level a false accusation against the coach in order to obtain settlement money. According to Oro Valley Magistrate Court Records, Ron Bell, pastor's, well, they got, uh, you can't really see the photo, but I was going to, according to the court records, Ron Bell, pastor, uh, pastor's former friend was charged Friday with providing false information to law enforcement and facilitation of a fraud scheme practice, ESPN's Mark Schlackbach reported Tuesday. 
Melinda's girlfriend, Jennifer Pendley, are accused of being engaged in a plan or scheme to allege a false fraudulent accusation against Josh Pastner with the goal of obtaining an anticipated civil monetary settlement judgment. They say to believe women. They say, why would women lie? Well, there's a lot of reasons to lie and accuse someone of a crime. For one, you're trying to extort them. <laughs> I mean, you're trying to get money from them. Some people are bad people. Some people are evil. When people bring this up, I, I ask, why would anyone commit any crime? They're, they're, they're emotionally slighted in some way. They want vengeance. They want money. There's a lot of reasons why people lie. I will clarify too. I don't think that the majority of accusations are false, but they do happen and they should be treated like any other crime. Someone commits a crime, they should be punished for it. Now, a lot of people are concerned because they feel like the, uh, when it comes to false accusations, the, 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 the punishment is nowhere near as bad as the individual who gets falsely accused. But as we're on that, let's check, j- jump over to this bitch, uh, d- <laughs> dispatch.com, Freudian slip. Woman charged with making false accusation against now suspended vice officer. This one's rather short. They say, the woman accused Whitney Lancaster of engaging in acts with her in exchange for her freedom. The accusation was later proved to be false with an audio recording. A Columbus woman had entered a not guilty plea to a charge that she filed a false report of misconduct against a city police vice officer who was suspended from duty about a year after her complaint. Ashley L. Ward, 32, whose address is listed in the streets of Columbus, was charged with one count of making a false report against a peace officer, a first degree misdemeanor. So, so I bring this up because it's an issue of is the punishment she's going to receive as bad as what this man would have faced if it wasn't proven false? He's already suspended. He faces losing his job. He faces going to prison for a long time. And she's going to get what? A first degree misdemeanor, which my understanding is not even going to be at least, I think, well, in, in, in Illinois, my understanding is that misdemeanors can only get you just up to a year. And uh, anything beyond that is a prison term. That's going to be a felony. Court records indicate that Ward had been under investigation in late 2017 and made a claim against then Vice Detective Whitney Lancaster, claiming that Lancaster had an, an intercourse with her in exchange for not arresting her in July 2016. Other detectives investigated Ward's claim and determined through audio evidence that Ward was not telling the truth. Charges filed against her in July 2018. Ward appeared in court on the charge Tuesday and entered a not guilty plea. Uh, they go on to talk about a, uh, um, a different story here involving Stormy Daniels. Interesting. Hold on, let's read this. Lancaster was one of four officers involved in the July 2018 arrest of Stephanie Clifford, also known as Stormy Daniels, and was suspended in late 2018 as part of an ongoing probe of the vice unit by FBI's Public Corruption Task Force. So I'll, I'll stop there and point out, maybe it's possible the other officers investigating him are lying because he's being probed by the FBI. The vice unit has since been disbanded. Lancaster remains on paid suspension. No criminal charges have been filed against him. Lancaster has been named in two federal lawsuits, one filed by Clifford and one filed by six other women who worked as dancers at Cahoots who said they were targeted by Lancaster and other, and another vice detective, Stephen Rosser, the lawsuits are pending. So maybe this guy's got the evidence stacked, stacked against him, but I thought it would be interesting to bring this up just because it's a breaking news story and involves a lot of issues. So now we know, uh, I'm sorry, it's alleged that there was a false accusation against this basketball coach because they wanted money. Let's wrap this story up and jump to the next one. They say, among the evidence Pastner's legal team has brought against the couple are recorded jailhouse conversations that suggested the couple fabricated the allegations. So that's where that leaves up, but there leaves us. But there is one more story. From Reason. After a false accusation, police and child services forced a family apart for seven months. Adam Lothar, a Navy veteran and nuclear deterrence expert, lost his job and spent $300,000 fighting the allegations. And this is why 
people bring up the issue of, is a misdemeanor really the kind of punishment someone should receive for wasting police resources and destroying someone's life? This man uh, he lost his job. $300,000. That's not chump change. All over false, false allegations. The story says, Adam Lothar was a busy man, traveling constantly for his work as a director of the Air Force's Advanced Nuclear Deterrent Studies. But on the afternoon of August 30th, 2017, he called his wife, Jessica, with good news. He would be home in time to take their two children, ages four and seven, to Taekwondo practice. Little did Adam know, he was about to be forcibly separated from his children for half a year. He would spend more than $300,000 in legal bills trying to reunite his family after it was torn apart by the New Mexico Children, Youth, and Families Department on the basis of a false accusation. Now, Adam and his wife are suing the police and child services officials for violating their rights misleading other authorities about the merits of the case against them and traumatizing their children. They are suing not just in hopes that they might recover some of the financial losses, but also to bring about institutional change. The experience has opened up the Lothar's eyes to the inequities of the criminal justice system. They don't want anyone to go through what they did. Yeah, we, we absolutely have a system where the more money you got, the, the likely you are to get off. Plain and simple. If you're rich and can afford a good lawyer, you're walking. If you're poor, sorry, you're getting locked up. We never thought this kind of thing could happen, Adam told Reason. We assumed the law enforcement was competent, and we assumed that they obeyed the law. That was a wrong assumption, but that was our assumption. Here's, here's, I, I, I want to say something. I do not trust the government. That includes police officers. I recognize that individuals are likely good people, typically, and they have their own motives and they want to protect, you know, their friends, their family. They're not intending to be overtly corrupt or evil, but corrupt and evil people exist. Now, as much as I can say, I understand that police officers are human beings. There are bad apples for sure. And yes, bad apples can infect the rest of the bunch. I also want to point out, I'm not going to assume they're competent and they may just want to close the case. And it's better to point out that as much as you might like police officers, don't forget government doesn't tend to do a good job in the long run. And it's really hard to weed out corruption. So they're just another government agency as far as I'm concerned. In the middle, uh, they say, in the middle of that August 30 phone call with her husband, Jessica heard a knock at the front door of their Albuquerque home. It was the police. They told her they had come to perform a welfare check on the kids. I'm sorry, a welfare check, asked Jessica, according to a court transcript. It says, Bernalillo County Sheriff Deputies Catherine Smalls and Brian Thornton explained that someone from one of the kids' schools had called the authorities to report abuse. Jessica was baffled. She asked the officers if they were sure they had the right house. They were sure. She asked them to wait outside until Adam arrived at home. They agreed, but ordered Jessica not to shut the front door. I'm telling you, we take this stuff very seriously. As if to illustrate the point, Thornton told Jessica that if this was my investigation, you would be in the back of a cop car right now. You're obstructing our duty to check on the well-being of a child. But it was not yet the county sheriff's investigation. It was CYFD's investigation. An agent from the department would be interviewing Becca, the Lothar's four-year-old daughter, about abuse she had allegedly reported to a teacher at school, according to the cops. So I'm not going to get into the full details. I want to wrap this story up because, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a very, very, very long, very, very long story. They end by saying, indeed, while the Lothers were financially well-equipped to handle legal troubles of this nature, they still ended up having to borrow money. Other families who routinely deal with child services and law enforcement are often in even more precarious positions. Diane Redleaf, an attorney who represents families in child service disputes, uh, child service disputes, told Reason, uh, Reason's Lenore Skenazi, that most of her clients are impoverished and many are immigrants of racial minorities. 
so, so this is the point that I wanted to bring up. You know, f- forgive me if you really, really want to read this story. I'll put a link in the description. But I bring it up not so much to talk about specifically this story, but to talk about the financial ramifications, the true depth of what a false accusation can do, and how you have people lose their jobs, people have to borrow money, they lose their kids. And so the question arises, when it comes to dealing with false accusations, what's the appropriate means? People on the left are concerned that if you arrest these women and charge them with felonies, you're going to deter actual victims. That's true. But if you, if you allow someone's life to be completely destroyed and to go $300,000 in debt, losing that much money over a false accusation, then how do you, how do you protect the innocent in this situation? It's an ethical dilemma. It really is. But we have to, we have, we have to protect the innocent. And that means we have to make sure those who, who lie to destroy someone's life and try and weaponize the police against them, well, they get punished. It's not too dissimilar from swatting. When you try and use the, the, the power of the state to get, you know, revenge or, or to, to hurt someone, you should be held accountable. Yes, even in some circumstances, it can result in loss of life, especially if someone ends their own life out of the stress and, and, and these things have happened. So anyway, uh, just, to, just to quickly go over the, the, the stories and, you know, we have fraud, apparently, from a basketball coach. We have a family who is devastated and, and separated from their kids. And then we have an actual woman who's being charged over a not suspended officer. Uh, officer. So uh, none of these things necessarily warrant a full video of their own, in my opinion. But um, I want to definitely address the issue because we had so many come up in a short amount of time, all from around the past month or so. So I'll leave it there. The link to the Raisin story will be in the description below. Thanks for hanging out. Stick around. I'll have more videos every day starting at 10 a.m., youtube.com slash timcastnews. You can donate at timcast.com slash donate if you want to help me out. Leave a good review on the podcast, and I will see you all next time. Why is it that celebrities are almost always on the left or liberal? They always espouse what appears to be some kind of mainstream liberal position. They stand and cheer, they clap for activism, and then you see stories like this from the Daily Wire. They say, Jeff Daniels compares Trump supporters to the KKK, claims democracy will end if Trump is reelected. He says, quote, aside from I don't want to pay taxes, it's race, it's race. Why was Jeff Daniels on TV talking about this? He was promoting a product, a show he's doing. And this is true for basically every celebrity. Now, there's certainly some celebrities who really do mean it. I don't want to act like they all, you know, have no integrity. But I truly believe, and I'm going to show you many examples today, of the hypocrisy of celebrities who claim to fight for one thing. But in my opinion, they're just trying to drum up support a fan base, because that's what celebrities are. Why would anyone hire a, 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 an actor for a movie? Why do they want Tom Cruise, big and bold, right above the name of that movie? That's what will sell the movie. The actor is the marketing tool. That's really it. Now, of course, there are actors and actresses and other celebrities who are really good at what they do. But the job of these people is mass appeal. They are targeting a market telling the market what they think they want to hear and usually don't believe it. Let me show you a few examples. But before we get started, make sure you go to timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There is a monthly donation option, a cryptocurrency option, a physical address. But of course, just share this video on on social media. Click the like button and comment. Those are the best things you can do. Uh, Sharing, liking and commenting. Tell YouTube it's a great video and then YouTube actually recommends it more. So it's greatly appreciated. Or if you hate me, feel free to hate me and tell me you do in the comments. So I don't want to go too much into Jeff Daniels, but I will point out Jeff Daniels made an appearance on MSNBC where he made these comparisons saying that 
There is a certain wing of the right wing party that believes it's all about race and this is their last chance. But they say, Daniels, who is starring in Broadway's current production of To Kill a Mockingbird, compared Trump's rallies to a line from the play. A mob is a place where people go to take a break from their conscience. Now, why would Jeff Daniels be on TV in the first place? Obviously, to promote a product, his play. Why would he compare Trump rallies to his product? He's trying to rally liberals to come see his play using Trump as that point. Hey, you know how these rallies are are happening? Our play kind of addresses that. It's similar. You should come and watch it. That's what celebrities are supposed to do. So he goes on to say that essentially, you know, he wants, it's a wake up call to, to liberals, etc. And he's marketing his product off of the back of division and political division. And that's, that's actually kind of terrifying. It says earlier during the sit down, the actor called his performances on Broadway's a wake up call for white liberal America. You walk out there and we pin the ears back of basically white America. White liberal America comes in and they go, we had no idea it was that tough. It's a slap in the face. It's a wake up call. He goes on to say very disparaging things about conservatives and Trump supporters, which will do nothing to solve these problems. It is divisive rhetoric, in my opinion, meant to market a product and it fits the MSNBC audience. Why is it that MSNBC is going to have Jeff Daniels on? Well, because he's going to say things that his audience, their audience will agree with, and he's going to take the narrative of MSNBC, which has gone for years on about Russiagate and conspiracies, and he's going to focus that energy toward his product, a play, To Kill a Mockingbird. Does To Kill a Mockingbird have anything to do with Trump and his rallies? Of course it doesn't. But if Jeff Daniels comes on and says the things they want to hear, it will get MSNBC ratings, and those ratings in turn will get more base for Jeff Daniels and more money. This is what celebrities do. Don't take my word for it. Let's ask Trevor Noah. Trevor Noah, who is the new host of The Daily Show. We have this story from five days ago on Fox News. Trevor Noah says Trump is the first president to actually deliver on campaign promises. But what did Trevor Noah actually say? Well, this is really interesting. Trevor Noah goes on to explain how they want him to be angry at Trump. He needs to be more angry. He calls it faux anger. They are pretending to dislike Trump, to attract a viewership, to attract a market and sell a product. It's very dangerous for our democracy, for, I'm sorry, for our democratic systems and institutions. We are in a republic after all. Let's read this. Noah, 35, began by knocking critics who claimed he wasn't angry enough when he first took over The Daily Show. Quote, when I took over The Daily Show, everyone was like, what are you going to make jokes about? And then one of the main things people have said to me was, they said, you're just not angry enough, Trevor. Where's your indignation? And I was like, what do you have to be angry about? Things are going great right now. Your economy is growing. Your president is loved. Your footprint around the world is one that's being cemented as a superpower. What are you angry about? He said this to Jimmy Kimmel. And then people had all of this faux anger and they were like, you've got to be angry. And I was like, there's nothing to be angry about. There's nothing to be stressed about right now. And I was worried about that for the show. Kimmel then says, we're always angry about something. If there's nothing important to be angry about, we'll find something dumb to be angry about, Kimmel said in agreement. Somebody will, will put pineapple on a pizza and we will lose our minds. Rather fascinating to see kind of the veil be lifted up. Trevor Noah explained that when he took over the show, they wanted him to be angrier at Trump and he wasn't. He even calls it faux anger. Why then do we have all these celebrities pretending to be angry at Trump? It's like I explained. They want to attract a market. They feel that the urban millennial market is liberal. Therefore, they will say what they think liberals want to hear. That's, that's a fact. 
It's all about marketing their product and their celebrity so they can get hired. And don't take my word for it. I've got more and more examples. How about this story from about just over a year ago, year and a half ago? I really will. The stars who didn't move to Canada when Trump won. Snoop Dogg and Lena Dunham were among a host of celebrities who pledged to move north under a Donald Trump presidency, yet stayed put. And sure enough, they have this image. Celebrities not moving to Canada. Snoop Dogg, Lena Dunham, Chelsea Handler, Neo, Nev Campbell, Raven Simone, Brian Cranston, and Barbara Streisand. How come none of these people actually moved? Why did they say they were going to move? Did any of us actually believe they hated Trump so much they were going to leave the country? No. Most of us knew this was a virtue signal. They want to send a message to the woke liberal left because they want to be famous. This is what attracts people to be celebrities. Think about musicians. Do you need to be a great musician to be a famous musician? Absolutely not. Learn four chords and then write some pop songs. In fact, they can just take anybody, write songs for you, and then auto-tune your voice and congratulations. You don't even have to be the greatest actor or actress to become famous. These are people who just want to be famous for the most part. Now, I will give some respect to Snoop Dogg. He's certainly been in the game a lot longer than many of these people. And I think, I think Snoop Dogg's kind of all right, but he doesn't get a freebie. Okay. I actually, I actually like Snoop Dogg. He doesn't get a freebie though, because if he's going to claim to leave the country and he's rich enough to do it and he doesn't, then I don't believe you are sincere in your indignation. I think as Trevor Noah pointed out, faux outrage. And there's more. Let's talk about Quentin Tarantino. Now, Quentin Tarantino isn't the wokest of the bunch, but we see this from the New York Times. Tarantino knew about Harvey Weinstein. Why, uh, why didn't he do anything? Why not? We have this thread from Yashar, uh, Yashar Ali, who says, in the aftermath of the Weinstein scandal, Quentin Tarantino told Jody Cantor he knew that Weinstein was a predator and did nothing. Now he is the toast of can, while many of the women who were assaulted by Weinstein, uh, Weinstein still can't find consistent work. But they give Quentin a standing ovation. He knew he did nothing. Why? It's not about doing what's right. It's about protecting yourself and your business. They claim to be activists. They really aren't. Now, props to, to Quentin for actually telling people he knew and did nothing. I, I can respect that. And again, Quentin isn't the wokest of the bunch. He's not you know, going around using activism to promote his brand for the most part. But there are some people who do. Alyssa Milano, for instance, she was the, the founding voice of the Me Too movement. Yet when it came to Joe Biden and many people calling out Joe Biden, what did she do? Well, she defended him. And because of it, we see this story from Fox News. Alyssa Milano facing backlash after defending Joe Biden amid inappropriate touching allegations. Now, why in the, why in the world would she defend a man who was doing these things? It's rather mind-blowing to me. Let's read a little bit. They say, Charmed actress Alyssa Milano received a flurry of criticism after she defended former Vice President Joe Biden on Monday and promoted his 2020 candidacy amid allegations he inappropriately touched a number of women. Remember when Alyssa Milano showed up to the Kavanaugh hearings and she was furious and protesting? What was Brett Kavanaugh accused of? He was accused of pushing a woman onto a bed and groping her before she ran off. Now, there's no proof. The allegations were 30 years ago. If Kavanaugh actually did it, then he should be criticized and condemned and, and reprimanded. To some extent, it was 30 years ago. It's, it's difficult to know what to do in these situations. But the reality is we have no evidence to suggest he actually did any of this. In fact, based on the testimony of Christine Blasey Ford claiming she was afraid of flying but flies regularly, 
claiming that she had to install a second door in her home, but then it turns out it was for like an Airbnb or something. At least that's what w- was said. And then many of the allegations against Kavanaugh turned out to be absolutely false with several people recanting or changing their testimony. Sounds like the whole thing was BS, but Alyssa Milano was there, outraged, demanding some kind of action. There are videos of Joe Biden inappropriately touching young girls, and Alyssa Milano defended him. Seems like a bit of hypocrisy. Does she actually care about what she's talking about? If you were to ask me, I'd say the answer is a resounding no. These kinds of careers, they attract people who just want to be the center of attention. I got to say, as somebody who has a decent amount of followers, I do not particularly enjoy it. I don't like people knowing where I live. I don't like, you know, and admittedly, when people come to me on the street, it's, it's very, you know, awkward for me. I am not someone who tried doing this because I want to be the center of attention. It's actually a very uh, uh, dissociative experience. As I'm talking to a camera right now and you see me talking to you, I don't experience all these people around me. But look at many of these celebrities. While it is true there are many YouTubers who want the same thing, don't get me wrong, by all means, think that of me if you'd like. It's your opinion. I would tell you I don't. These people are pushing activism because it gets them a bigger following. That's their job. It is their job to be a famous person. They're substantially more famous than I am. But I'm not done just yet. Of course, we have voice actress Tara Strong. Now, vo- uh, Tara Strong has done a ton of voice acting. She's uh, the, the, She does the voice of, like, uh, Timmy Turner on Fairly Odd, Odd Parents, Raven from Teen Titans. Basically, just a very prolific voice actress and very, very outspoken anti-Trump activist on Twitter. She goes hard against Trump. But it turns out in private, she actually says some fairly racist things. For one, it's it's rather interesting to see someone accuse Trump of being, you know, the worst of the worst when she has done numerous segments on various shows that are overtly racist. Why, the other day I was watching Family Guy and she provided the voices for a few Asian women and made disparaging remarks about the physicality of certain Asian people. Now, look, I, I believe in free speech and I get it's a joke and I think Family Guy is funny. I can understand a joke. But the, the double standards, which what's, what's interesting, to accuse someone else while you yourself do the same thing, admittedly, it's not identical behavior. She's telling jokes, and I can respect that. But her activism doesn't, doesn't necessarily make sense when she criticizes Trump's policies on immigration and then says something rather profound and racist to an Uber driver. Now, this happened back in November. She was in a car, and she posted a video. She later deleted. That's my understanding. And she said to the Uber driver, who was criticizing her for being, you know, leftist, She said, I wonder how you got your citizenship. And that was when the guy was like, you're a racist. How can you claim to be an activist against racism, but then say something like that? And there's video of it. So uh, let me let me let me play this little clip real quick. Enjoy yourself. I'm just curious how you got how you got your citizenship. Yeah. How did you get your citizenship? Wow. She goes on to say that because actually I'll pull up this tweet. In response to this, someone said to her, why did he call you a racist? Well, apparently she deleted the original tweet. She said, we literally have zero idea and two shrugging emojis. And in reality, this person said, you told him you were born in America as if that makes you more American than him, who is clearly an immigrant. That is the definition of racism. Why say you were born here as a response to him saying you are ruining the country? Not a congruous answer. She did it. She said, I wonder how you got your citizenship. By all means, you know, there's there's video missing. But for her to act like Trump is worse and she engages in similar behavior, that's just absurd. Now, there's just a couple more examples I want to give before I wrap up my final thoughts, just to prove a point. Cracked Magazine has a series of celebrity hypocrisy. I find it funny. How about this one? Number 10 in one of the cracked lists. 
on the controversial casting of Noma Duma, Dumaswani as Hermione in The Cursed Child, J.K. Rowling said, Canon, brown eyes, frizzy hair, and very clever. White skin was never specified. Rowling loves black Hermione. However, in The Prisoner of Azkaban, it says Hermione's white face was sticking out from behind a tree. Harry, hurry, she mouthed. You can say just, you can say just, you say you approve of the casting without lying to us, J.K. But basically, we see it time and time again. The virtue signal hypocrisy of people claiming to be activists lying when they're not really. And I think one of the one of the best, there's a few examples, is climate change hypocrisy. There's a Snopes article, Tale of Two Houses. There was a viral email going around a long time ago talking about how George Bush's eco-friendly ranch versus Al Gore's energy expending mansion. And it's true. Al Gore has a massive energy expending mansion. He's buying oceanfront property at a time where he's claiming we've got 10 years left. Well, 10 years ago. It's, 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 it's complete hypocrisy. Why? Certainly not the only one. We know Leonardo DiCaprio does the same thing. He's repeatedly been called a climate change hypocrite. These are people who claim to champion certain populist left-wing ideas, and they really, really don't. So let, look, I, I've given you a ton of examples of various celebrities who pretend to be activists. It's quite simple. Back to the main point in the first story from the Daily Wire. What Jeff Daniels is doing, I think, is extremely dangerous. Extremely, extremely dangerous. It's my opinion that he is trying to, well, he's quite literally promoting a play he's going to be in, and he's using political division and our current culture war to do it. And that's dangerous. It's going to make things worse. Comparing Trump supporters to, the, to, to you know, KKK, saying it's all about race. He clearly doesn't know what he's talking about, nor does he care. And then he tries to make it seem like there's a scene in To Kill a Mockingbird that's very similar to Trump rallies. It's obvious. He wants MSNBC's Russiagate far left audience to go and see his play. And he's inflaming political tensions to do it. This is what celebrities do. They ignore problems when it's in their face, like Quentin Tarantino did. And when given the opportunity, they'll say whatever is politically expedient or expedient to their career. Alyssa Milano, she will complain about Brett Kavanaugh and then defend Joe Biden. There's no principle here. These are celebrities. Their mission is not to make the world a better place. These people don't work for nonprofits. They aren't activists. They are celebrities who are trying to be famous and rally a base so they can sell their name against a product and make money. But welcome to the real world, right? I'm sure many of you already realized this. You don't need me to tell you these people are hypocrites, but they are. And I guess we can just say, I'll leave it there. How many celebrities said they were going to leave the country? But of course they were lying. They weren't going to leave the country. We know they weren't going to leave the country. They just want to make sure everyone knows how angry they are. Because as Trevor Noah said, it's faux outrage. They're asking him to be indignant for the ratings. That's what it's all about. They won't be laughing when everything falls apart, though. But they don't care. These, this kind of career attracts sociopathic narcissists. Even media. Journalism does the same thing. The other day I saw Andrew Kaczynski... K-File, I think his name is, from CNN, complaining that Fox News didn't credit him for finding a YouTube video or something. These are the people who are attracted to the spotlight. They're insane, in my opinion. They're bad people. But it is what it is. Just my opinion. We can see the hypocrisy plain as day. And so I, I think I've laid out several examples for you. Let me know what you think in the comments below, and we'll keep the conversation going. Again, if you want to support my work, it's TimCast.com slash donate. You can follow me on Minds at TimCast. I'll have more videos coming up on my second channel, YouTube.com slash TimCastNews, starting at 6 p.m. For those that are listening on the podcast, thanks for making it to the end. And uh, leave a good review if you like it. I will see you all in the next segment. Adios.